So I started studying physio a bit later in life than most of the other people who I was studying did. Um, so I'd already done a degree in photography and realized that that wasn't really right for me. Uh, and so then I took a gap year and went and lived at a mountain and rock climbed for a year. And that was sort of how I got into the, I guess, adventure side of things and realized that I didn't want to go back into photography. And I really loved working with people and I loved the health side of things. And I absolutely didn't want to be tied to a desk for the rest of my life. Um, and so I just made a really logical decision about what I wanted to do with my career. And it had to include working with people, something that I could travel with, uh, something health-based and, um, yeah, something a bit more physical. And I'd met a physio at the time who worked in the hospital in this tiny little town that I lived in. Um, and he just looked like he was kind of modelling the sort of life that I'd really like to live. Um, and actually, really weirdly, maybe four or five years later after I'd finished, probably seven years after I'd finished studying, he offered me a job, which I then turned down. He didn't even know me. He'd had such a huge influence on my life and um, it was like a minute little minute for him and such a big part of my life. Um, and it was a cool moment to be able to sort of make the decision to say, actually, that's still not even what I want for myself. Yeah. Um, so he was working in the hospital there and I, I'd kind of gone through this process of studying and realising that a lot of physiotherapy is hospital-based, um, which wasn't for me still. Um yeah, so I always knew that I was going to work in private practice and I did that in a few different clinics for a while, um, but I'd always also had this dream of starting my own physio clinic, which would be uh, some sort of adventure training facility slash sports medicine clinic. And that was the original iteration of my dream, which has changed over the years. Um, but when I look back at what I'm doing now and what I'm trying to achieve, it's still that essence of this little dream that I had when I started studying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Where was the, I'm interested, where was, where was this mountain? Yes. Experience? So it is about, I think five and a half hours drive east of Melbourne. Uh, the mountain is called Mount Arathles and it's right next to a town called Natamuk. And that's about 30 K from quite a large town called Horsham. And so Horsham has a really big uh, hospital, which serves a lot of the area. Um, but then the town that I lived in, Natamark, had about 600 people in it at the time. And it had the most amazing community of people that was made up of a lot of rock climbers and then a lot of artists and then a lot of farmers. So it was this very interesting mix of people. And uh, everyone, it, yeah, it was probably one of the most amazing communities I've lived in. There was this really great um, atmosphere um, and a lot of mutual respect for all of the different people who live there. Mm. Uh, and then the other amazing thing about this place is that Mount Arapiles is one of the best places to climb in Australia. So people will travel from all over the world to come and spend weeks or months climbing there. Yeah. Uh, and so I left Melbourne for a year and like I, <laughs> I, I rented a room in the town, but often I just, live in a tent at the mountain and just climb for a few days and then go back to town to work in the cafe for a couple of shifts and then head out again. Yeah. So it was a bit of a dream. And then, you know, looking back on that, it was definitely one of the most amazing times in my life. But also mm. 
I was really, really mentally bored by it. So physically I was, you know, doing all of the things that I loved, had the most amazing social life. I was really, really happy, really content and also really bored. And I really needed some extra stimulation for my brain. It's interesting though, isn't it? I've had that same experience where you take some sort of a trip or you do something or there's a change and then you had that year, but even though you weren't mentally stimulated, you met that guy, right? The other physio and you, there was like a shift in your whole trajectory from taking that time off, you know what I mean? Or taking that trip. Yeah. Um, Which is hard. Like once you get into, I don't know how you feel now, but once you get into the sort of grind thing of the small business, it's like difficult to see the value in pulling yourself away, but sometimes you get so much more coming back into your business and your brain and everything yeah, else. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think about that in a really micro scale and a really macro scale. So in your own small business, it can be, uh, you can be your own meanest boss and you can just work yourself to the bone and grind every day and try and achieve all of the things that you want to achieve. And ultimately that just makes you so much less effective and so much less efficient and I purposefully try and give myself, even saying this, I'm like, oh, that's not very much, but I try and give myself one complete day away from anything business related. Yeah. And I always come back from that completely refreshed. Mm. And whenever I have more than a few days off, I'm just so much more effective and productive and inspired and excited and creative. And so I, I really think a lot about the fact that like the biggest changes in my life and the most positive changes in my life have come from stepping away giving myself a chance to disconnect from the grind or disconnect from work or disconnect from that kind of driven um, driven state that I just kind of default to. Um, and I always come back better for that. And actually, I think that for me is what the essence of adventuring is all about. Like it's mm. actually taking yourself away from the default state of busyness and the default state of the grind um, and nurturing that part of yourself that really just needs a bit of peace and silence and quietness. Uh, and because I'm also <laughs> a bit of a workaholic, I think I like to make it productive in some way, which often for me means meeting a goal. Uh, mm. So that's like a long hike for a couple of weeks to complete a complete a goal. Um, but really I'm just tricking myself into having a bit of like nurturing time and a bit of peace and quiet. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah. Yeah. I know how you feel. I was up at a, up at a function on the weekend and I was speaking to all these different business owners and I realized like there was like people in real estate coaching, all these different things. And I realized like we were talking, all of the conversation was about adventures. Like one, one guy had spent a lot of time in Indonesia and he was interested. I had spent time living on a boat and Basically, we just went round and forth, back and forth. And I thought, you know, it's interesting how much value that adventure has brought to the conversation. And now I have relationships with new people. It's not like you meet a new business owner and you start talking about marketing tactics, right? Like you, you want to talk about life or you want to talk about something to do with adventure or what's been going on. And so, yeah, the more I go, the more I'm, I'm aligning with what you preaching here i think it's a really big thing i think there's a direct value to the business which is getting a little bit off topic but yeah i think it's really important yeah and i think ultimately that's why you what i'm trying to achieve in my life is having like a happy satisfied 
or well, well-rounded life. And that's how I achieve it. But that's how a lot of people achieve it. And then the whole, all of healthcare is about connecting with people and helping mm. people. And you can't do that without a relationship with them. And if the best way of connecting with people is, you know, on the same level and having some kind of resonance in your experience, then acknowledging your own needs is really important for helping people with their needs because generally people's needs are pretty, once we've met that hierarchy of needs of shelter and safety and food, our needs of like social connection Mm. and some interest in your life and outside time, fresh air, all of those things. It's kind of a well, for me and for the people who I tend to spend a lot of time with, that's um, a bit of a, like a base need. And I wonder if that's just a bit of self-selection, but I feel like most people really need to spend time outside in nature. And I call that adventuring. Other people have different names for that. But yeah. I mean, you're having your own experience of that resonating with all of these people in the business world. And that's exactly the same as in health. Yeah. There's a great book. His name was uh, Richard Garriott. He was a, he is a, like a coder video game designer um entrepreneur made millions designing and building out video games but very strong world builder but also traveled went into space went below the titanic traveled to the different poles and he's got a book uh called explore create and it's it's really interesting it's kind of the same thing it's like his version of adventure but bringing you know bringing the things that you experience and then bringing that back into business back into relationships and to him he made a great point it's like all about the stories that we can tell you know like I was I was on this hike or I was out in the bush or whatever and then those stories are the things that can close the gap between you and the other person you know whatever that story might be um I'm just really interested. You skipped over the bit where I think it could bring a lot of value to people in in all sorts of different industries, but where you were in uh, clinics and mm-hmm. then you decided it wasn't a fit for you, like the type of physiotherapy work you were doing. Was, did I hear that correctly before you went into your own thing? Yeah. Yeah, I always had this um, underlying dream of opening my own business. And I think I had this idea that I had to get a certain amount of experience and I had to um, had to be a unquantifiably good amount of physio. <laughs> like I had to be this good in order to do what I want to do, but mm. that's impossible to quantify. I think that's like chasing a feeling of like, okay, now I've reached this goal. I'm good enough to do it. Um so I, I, you know, I think I always had this idea that like one day when I'm good enough, I'm going to open my own clinic. Um, and I think as you kind of uh, go forward in your career, you realize that um, you were probably good enough from the very beginning to connect with the kind of people who you want to connect with and help them. Uh, but definitely as you graduate as a new graduate physio, it for most people, it comes with a lot of insecurity about your um about I don't know the quality of the service that you're providing and the quality of your skill. Um, so I, for a while, I just worked for an, a few physio clinics, uh, and generally I enjoyed it. But always, I really, really struggled working for other people, and a lot of it was because I sort of felt that the way that things were delivered wasn't really, in some in some ways ethical like I felt like there was a really um, unethical way of delivering health treatment and I really struggle with 
generally ethics in healthcare, even the way I deliver it, I think like, is this the best way that it can be done to reach um, to reach everyone, which in itself I think is a bit of a trap of thinking. So I'm trying to, trying to avoid that. But for example, I worked for a place for a few months that did 20 minute appointments and it was in this environment that was just very, very clashing with my own personal values and the things that I, um, that I think are important. Like in a 20 minute appointment, you can't really properly talk to someone, understand their story, diagnose their injury or whatever it is that they're coming in for, deliver some treatment and then um, make a plan for them for the future. So the answer to that is that you just do a lot of those appointments. So you get someone coming back into the clinic like five times in two weeks was the recommendation, which I don't agree with on an ethical level. Like I think that's not how you deliver healthcare, not how you make connections with people, and it's also not necessary. Um and so I worked there for a few months. I worked in the Northern Territory for a year, which was a really amazing experience. Um, that was always just a one-year contract. I didn't exactly leave because of any serious issues, um, but I did I did really struggle um, with the way that healthcare is delivered to the Indigenous communities for a variety of different reasons. Um, but... I think I kind of got to the point in that job in the Northern Territory where I was like, that's it. I'm done working for other people. I'm going to create my own thing. It's going to be delivered the way that I feel is the best way possible to both have a sustainable business and also um, provide proper healthcare for people in a way that's approachable for people, financially viable for people, um, and not just based on this model of like, just dribble out your treatment and get them coming back as many times as you want um and I love it I just love that I can do that myself now and I can um I can make decisions on my treatment plan on the spot I could spend an hour with someone or I could spend half an hour with someone and I'm never going to spend 20 minutes with someone mm. and it feels so for me the way I'm delivering healthcare feels so much more aligned with who I am as a person and what I feel is right and based on the all of the research that I've learned and based on things like we've already talked about connecting with people on a deeper personal level which I actually think is the essence of helping to heal people um but also it seems like it works really well for the patients that I'm seeing too yeah yeah cool was it was it a big step for you to go into your own physical space and set that up when you did pull the trigger and kind of start to create your own I guess your own business out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I made I made a few mistakes as you do when you've never done something before. So I moved back from the Northern Territory, and um, my partner was still finishing his masters at the time. So he was doing his full time masters, and it wasn't the right time for us both as a couple for me to start a business that would be you know a financial risk for us. Um, so while he was doing that, I worked in aged care for a year. Uh, and, and while that was happening, my plan was always that I was going to try and like lay the foundational bricks of my business. So I'd work on stuff on the back end, I'll, you know, get all of the ducks in a row so I could just launch when I was ready. Um, but it turned out that that job that I was working on in aged care was actually quite emotionally taxing. And I just really didn't have the emotional energy to spend on also creating a business. Um, so I finished up that contract, my partner finished his master's and then, um, 
you know, this this plan was always there. I was always going to open the business. I'd, I'd kind of gotten to the point in my last um, job in another private practice where I was like, that's it. I'm never working for another another owner again. Um, I'm calling it from now on. It's either going to be something like aged care or my own thing. I'm going to work for a, a bigger corporation, but I'm not going to work for another clinic. Um, but also I knew that aged care wasn't really, it was just a stepping stone to achieve what I wanted to. Um, and then around that time, the contract was ending and they'd offered for me to stay on permanently. And it was a little bit of a fork in the road because I actually was really enjoying what I was doing. Uh, and then my friend who has, um, she owns a clinic in a suburb in East Fremantle, which is not that far from me, was, um, she put up a post on one of the professional um, notice boards saying that she was renting out her clinic for another business owner to share. So she was in it however many hours a week and then this other owner would be in it. So I just jumped on it. I wasn't really ready and I didn't really know anything. And um, I was like, hey, I'd love to move in. And I tried to make that work for, I think I moved in in March and then I moved out in um, August or September. Mm -hmm. And I moved out in September and I had done so little research. I was just... I just found this opportunity that I just wanted to jump onto. And I just, I was like, I kind of had this feeling of like a now or never. Like I, I could have gone down this aged care fork in the road. Um, and I remember thinking like, I could probably have a pretty satisfying career doing this, but there's this dream that I've always had that I just have to do. Uh, so I took the opportunity and I moved into a place where there were like 15 other physios within 200 meters of me. <laughs> <laughs> including um, the woman who owned the clinic. And then there was this very successful, well-known clinic, literally like a minute walk down the street. And then there was another physio in the building next to me and another one across the street from me. Wow. So I could like look out the front door and see at least 10 other physios. And then just down the street in another block, there's another really successful clinic. Uh, and I knew nothing about marketing and I knew no one in the area. A lot of physios have... Uh, group of people who mm. like patients who know you and you've got a kind of um, a referral base already just because you've worked for however long uh, and I knew no one because I hadn't been working in the area ever so no one knew me didn't know how to market and I had enough patients to get me by for that whole time uh, I never was at a loss I made a little bit of money but it was absolutely not enough to thrive on and I couldn't see that changing anytime soon and the rent in the clinic was really high so I just pulled the pin and I moved into a gym really close to home mm -hmm. and the second I moved in there it was everything changed mm -hmm. things just started flowing really really easily so I, I would say those first few months in the other clinic everything was a struggle every single mm -hmm. day I was like oh I love it when I'm working but when I'm not able to actually see patients, I just don't know what to do and I don't know how to change that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really tough and it felt like everything was just not quite right. Mm -hmm. um, so making that decision to move from that first, first premises to the gym that I work out of now was such a good choice. And literally the day that I moved in, I just kind of like I took a big breath, I sighed, I was like, oh, this feels so much more aligned to what I'm doing. Mm. Um, and actually there are quite a few physios nearby, including Alex, who's part of Creator Club, who's literally like two blocks away from me and she's doing an amazing job. But I think that um, it definitely gave me an opportunity to 
I guess talk to my people a little bit more. The the rent was a lot more reasonable. So I had a lot of pressure taken off me to try and meet a certain amount of revenue every week. And I there were lots of really friendly people around me, um, which was the other thing that was going on in this other clinic is that um, I would never see the other physio, even though she was a friend of mine, we we would just we'd never see each other. And then if no patients were scheduled in the day, I could go a whole day without seeing anyone. And then I'd just be like, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, so even moving into this gym, um, even if I'm having a bit more of a quiet day, um, if there's people around, you know, I can just go and have a quick joke with someone and then go back in and yeah, working away. Yeah. Um, so it all worked a lot better. Yeah. Cool. And so when you set up in the gym, in your current space, have you integrated, I, I, I'm getting the feeling, I guess this is a loaded question, but have you integrated the adventure ethos thinking um, into the brand, into how you speak about your work or into the people that you work with, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, not immediately. I think it did take a bit of coaching. Um, I think I had a bit of an epiphany towards the end of last year and I spoke to Ruby about it at the time that I realized I was, for some reason, I was starting to feel really insecure about my messaging and what I was trying to achieve. And so I got really quiet about it. Uh, and then I, for some reason, I can't remember what triggered this little epiphany, but but I was just like, hang on, like adventure is like one of my highest values. It's something that makes me feel alive. It's mm. a, it's not exactly a universal trait, but a lot of people resonate with this and it makes a lot of people feel alive and happy and give them meaning in their lives um why am I being quiet about this like what is it that I'm feeling insecure about and what is it that I what am I holding back from communicating and I just had to push through that a little bit I think I had to have that realization first that I was holding back a lot in my messaging and I couldn't figure out why it was so difficult to get the copy on my website going I was like oh, I just don't know what to say and I don't know how to say it and I don't want to say this because I don't want to sound like that and you know I was really backflipping a lot on my messaging and I couldn't figure out why and the minute that I did I could kind of fight that impulse a little bit and um, try and just force myself to just say anything um, and that kind of helped that almost like writer's block or that insecurity that I was feeling about communicating that message. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't say that directly in the gym that I'm working in to those people specifically that I'm marketing that because that, I guess, I didn't move into the gym to necessarily have those people as a referral base, although that has been really nice. And anyone who's sort of aligned with what I'm talking about has connected with me and that's been good, but I'm not trying to in directly target the members of that gym as my my population of people that I'm messaging to. Yeah. Um. So I don't think it was specifically moving into the gym that changed that. It it just took some level of awareness of myself about why I am holding back what I'm trying to speak to the world. Yeah. Which I'm still working on. I still have to think every time I go to put some kind of like generic post on Instagram about five exercises to make your muscles bigger or something like that. I'm like, well, firstly, everyone in the world is doing this. All of the other physios in the world are doing it. So it's not like anyone needs this because it's already there and it doesn't add anything to the conversation. And it specifically doesn't add anything to my message and my conversation. Um, 
So I'm trying to filter. I'm trying to both not hold back on any content that I'm putting out because anything is still good. Mm. But I am trying to think about like, if I put something out, how does that connect with my messaging? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's probably, I would say, one of the top three hardest or most difficult or maybe transition points I think I see in in a lot of business owners is like say because you're you're speaking to a a specific group right which is ideal but the paradox there or the problem there is like that group may not be the mainstream group right it might be people interested in adventure or interested in these other values and so it's a slightly smaller group and so when you say something the first time if you're not well known to that community you kind of just get crickets, right? Like there's not a lot of like resounding feedback that you're on the right track. And that silence feels like a, a red light and not a green light a lot of the times when really what it is is a, a green light times a thousand. It just takes so much more in order to get through to those people at the beginning. It can be a very um, a, a, a challenging part of it to push through but then once you're through they start to connect right and people start to find you or share stories about you whatever it is mm. yeah and that's definitely happening in this in the last I'd say in the last month I'm really feeling actual conversation happening and that in itself is really fulfilling and beyond any kind of financial gain that that might give me or my business it's really nice for me personally to feel like I'm talking to the people who I'm resonating with which in itself is only going to help my messaging but it's nice what would be some specific examples if you could share because i just think a lot of people go through this right where they want to where it doesn't matter doesn't really matter the industry when they start to have this interest and niche down a little bit or speak to a particular group which is which is definitely the right way to go but then there's like there's that silence or it's like not taking off as quickly as what they thought or even getting the feedback. When you say you started to hear things or sense the conversation a little bit, what were some of the things that you noticed and what was the context of that? Like how long had you been talking about stuff or how long had you been marketing before you started to go, oh yeah, okay, this is landing. This is landing well with the people that I want to work with. Um, well, I'll, I'll use an example of something that just happened, I think, um, yesterday or maybe Tuesday. So I have been trying to, trying to put out some kind of quality content that adds some sort of value to people. And then also I'm trying to just make sure that I'm getting a bit of volume as well. So, um, in the space of maybe two or three days, I put up a, post it was a story um about just feeling um really like honored that people were sharing some heavy stuff with me uh so it was just like a photo of myself and I was just like oh because on that day I just had maybe two or three appointments that were quite emotionally charged and mm -hmm. people were sharing really difficult things with me so um at the end of the day I was just like wow that was really amazing that people trusted me with this this heavy stuff that they're going through. So I put up um, just a story saying like, we've got this keep going, like things are hard, lean on your friends. Um, we've got this. And then I backed it up really quickly with a um, 
just an Instagram post with just like a stock photo of a woman who just climbed a mountain and then the words that said, um, everything is hard before it's easy. And I just didn't expect that to do anything at all. I was just like, eh, just a something with um, the new font that I'm using across my posts. You know, I just tried to make it a bit of a branding thing. Um, and then the amount of people, oh, and then also just by chance, this really incredible cyclist in the US who does a lot of advocation, advocacy, advocation, she does a lot of advocacy for um, like all bodies on bikes. So plus size people riding bikes and, you know, like it doesn't matter what size your body is, just go out and have fun. She put up this post with all of these videos of her for however many years she's been riding saying everything is hard before it's easy, essentially. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what I've just said twice. So I shared that. So that was probably within the space of about like maybe five hours, mm -hmm. bam, bam, bam. And then I had so many people, none of them did anything with the story, but a lot of people like um, commented to me personally on the post that I put up or liked the post or that's that video that I shared from this woman, Marley Blonsky, um, directly commented to my messages about how much they liked it or how they resonated with it or whatever. And that in itself was a really interesting moment where um, just kind of sharing the same message across three different things that were kind of within that niche that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it just resonated with people. And I've never done that before. I think it was just like the perfect lineup of content that just kind of, kind of came my way um, and also came out of my head. But that I think the confidence as well to say the same thing three times without feeling like, oh, am I just like saying too much or like um, is this annoying or I don't know any kind of little mental obstacle that might have gotten in my way in the past I just sort of ignored it and I was like anything is better than nothing just do it um definitely wouldn't have been able to do that a few months ago I would have felt too self-conscious or I don't know I wouldn't have done it um just this week made a big difference in my engagement with people mm -hmm. and the kind of quality of conversations that I was having with people as well so not only were people just liking it and moving on, they were specifically talking to me um, and I think someone shared a post or something like that. Uh, cool. But that took that took a month of really purposely just trying to ignore all of the obstacles in the way of putting up content to be able to get to that point. And that took months of just working on my, my social media marketing anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really a, an interesting... It's really an interesting journey, I always think, because you have the, you know, we do, we do, I think it was before, it was, a, I think it was a while back now we did this 21 day build your voice marketing challenge. It's basically for 21 days, there's a podcast all on this. If you're listening, you can go listen to the how to do it, but we ran 21 days, effectively three posts a day, but it could be on stories it didn't have to be main feed there were certain rules and that kind of stuff and it was really it was voluntary it was basically to like have a bunch of people go through it and uh you know be part of something while building building that ability just build, doing the reps you know like like getting the steps and sort of thing and some of the cases for like you know bunch of new customers and all sorts of like all sorts of stuff happen but so you have the 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 side of like the actual marketing which like you said people having conversations i think is really interesting and really cool 
But then you've got the side, which because you took the action to do those three posts, now how does it change your confidence? How does it change how you speaking face-to-face with someone? And we never really know the answer, but I think it's, it's tangible, right? So now you're the person who can do content and do this other stuff. And so it, it creates this global offline online shift um, that I think can creep into all kinds of areas of your life as sort of a tool that's totally unexpected, you know, um, mm. kind of like a confidence training tool, I suppose, around business, something like that. Yeah. And I'd say even just what my messaging is. And as someone who's still going through this kind of insecurity phase about my messaging, you know, like I'm a lot further along than I was, but that in itself has reinforced the importance of what it is that I'm trying to achieve and what I'm trying to say. So it's self-reinforcing. Mm. You you mentioned stories, and I know you've mentioned this before, writing kind of personal stories of what you've done or little trips you've taken or adventures that you've had or things that you've noticed and that you've shared that into your marketing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that or if there's anything else that you found helpful sort of building into this marketing and content marketing side of the business that, you know, was a useful thing for you? Um, I'm going to do both if you'll allow me. Go for it. <laughs> I joined Creator Club right after you'd done that 21-day challenge. Oh, okay. Yep. saw that 21-day challenge and I was like, oh, I think I really need some help. Um, so that was actually the thing that uh, firstly alerted me to your existence in this iteration. I think I knew of you in the past, but I didn't know about Creator Club. And I was like, yep, yeah, want to do that. That sounds like something that's going to be really helpful. But I never did the challenge myself because it was over. And around Christmas time, it hit me that I really wanted to do that challenge. So why not just do it myself? <laughs> which is actually what I've been doing uh, in the last month. Which is oh, like- cool. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I, I saw a lot of content going out. I didn't realize yeah. you were doing the challenge. Yeah. Is- so I think I went in with the best of intentions and then I didn't end up <laughs> finishing. But yeah. I saw immediate value in doing it. Yeah. Um, and even just getting into the mindset of doing it, that made a massive difference in the way that I was talking online. So I would say that in terms of um, marketing, one of the most valuable things that's been happening lately is just putting myself through my own 21-day challenge. I don't even know what your rules were. I think I listened to the podcast with um, Francis a while ago. Um, okay. It was the end, but I don't think it um, talked about the rules of it. Um, so that's been amazing. And then in terms of the storytelling, that I guess was like another attempt to um firstly position me as someone who knows what I'm talking about when I'm mm. talking about going out and doing things and having adventures and exploring Perth and other places that I've been. Um, do you want to do you want to break down like exact like what do you mean by storytelling like just so people listen yeah, to so what, what example, you actually write about? I did a hike around Christmas time called the King Jarrah Trail and it was um, I think an 18 kilometer hike and I just went for a hike by myself, which I do often. There was nothing particularly special about it. I just wanted to go for a long walk in the bush. Uh, And so then I took lots of photos and then I (laughs) wrote a little story on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Oh, also the other thing that was going on around that time is I was reading a book called The Science of Storytelling by Will something. Mm -hmm. And it immediately broke down the components of a story, including like, that every story begins with change. So, for example, 
I was walking down the street and then suddenly I saw something in the sky is like your story starting with change. Uh, and then he talked a bit about characterization and a few other things. And so it just sort of, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and tell a story. Like I'd never purposefully try and put anything out on the internet that was a story. Um, so this was actually an experiment, this particular post about the King Jarrah Trail. I was just putting what I was learning from this book into practice. Uh, and I just wrote a little story about this um, walk that I did um, and had photos and it had a little, you know, like oh, I was did this. It was like a 31 degree day, which is a stupid thing to do in summer when there's snakes. You know, I just like had a little bit of self-deprecation in there and um, talked about some of my fears and my concerns and then how I overcame them and um, took people through the journey with a few um so the, the book that I was reading, The Science of Storytelling, was talking about how people like vividly describe the environment so that they draw you into the picture and you're actually imagining it through your own eyes. So I was aiming to do that as well, uh, trying to describe like I think I could hear some water trickling at one point, so I was trying to make that kind of descriptive so you felt like you were there. Um, and then I put up photos and, yeah, at the time that became one of my most engaged with posts. So I realised, of course it is, because all of these people I'm trying to communicate with really enjoy going for a walk in the bush by themselves and they can really relate to this and maybe they enjoy the feeling of being in the bush virtually with me where they can smell the smell of the bush in summer and they can hear the crickets and they can hear the water. Um, so it was, again, like really self-reinforcing something that I'd been learning, which was how to tell a story. Um, and it was fun and it flexed my creativity muscles. And then it also started a, uh, started a conversation with people who might have enjoyed going on that walk themselves. Uh, and then I put it on my blog and I realised, actually, that's really good for SEO as well because it's talking about a trail in Perth um and then yeah multiple levels of benefit uh in terms of marketing and also on a personal level I got to have some cool conversations with people about this walk that I'd done and there's a big um trail run in Perth I think it's called the I don't remember what it's called but it, it takes into a, um that part of the trail is part of the trail run which is I think like 50 kilometers so um some people told me about their experience on this big trail run that they'd done. Um, yeah. Does that answer that question? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's really helpful. Uh, I think a lot of people intuitively understand and know that the, the story is so powerful, but then sometimes practically when it's new and you haven't really done it a lot, can be a little bit scary. And so hearing you talk through how you just went away and put the pen to paper and basically wrote out a story of what happened, I think is really good. Uh, was there anything else that you found helpful with the marketing? Um, Even offline as well? I know you, are you meeting a few mm, different people and kind of building on that side? Yeah, I have been putting a lot of time and effort into meeting people in my local area. Um, and I feel like there's this kind of, um, this theme with what I'm saying here that like a lot of these things have helped my business grow, but a lot of things have just been so personally fulfilling as well. Mm. So in particular meeting, um, meeting people offline has just been really, really nice. I think as a solo business owner, you're, you're isolated a lot. Um, so just seeing other people in that situation is really great. And, um, 
yeah, that's been good. And then also I've been putting a bit of effort into arranging some workshops with some local gyms in the area. So I think in about three weeks, I'm running a workshop with an F45 um, where I'm just going to show up and do a workshop on injury prevention and recovery. Uh, And it's, I think it, it's something that I was always really struggling to put myself out and do um, for a bunch of reasons. And one of the easiest things was just time. I was, I was working at another place um, alongside my business just to try and make ends meet. And I was just like, oh, I just never have the time for this. So I was like, well, I just, I'm not going to have the time unless I make it. Um, so I've been putting a lot of intention into that. And even just meeting F45 owners has been just nice on a personal level and kind of exciting as well um, about what could come from that. Uh, And then the other thing that I've noticed, I guess metrically, and it hasn't really converted so much yet, but I've noticed I've put a bit of intention into creating um, blogs lately that do capture keywords that are relevant to me, just to try and get more traffic to my website. And I've noticed a huge change in my website numbers from intentionally trying to um, make some, yeah, make some blogs that are relevant. Uh, and I expect that that will have make a difference over time. And I think that's just one of those things that are going to compound. The more I do it, the more it will be beneficial. Um, but that's pretty early days, but I'm I'm feeling pretty like pretty good about it because of the um, massive change that I've seen within a week in my website numbers. Yeah. Do you do email, email marketing or just social media at the moment? Yeah. My biggest issue with email marketing is that, so I am doing it and I'm sending a monthly email at the moment and Mm -hmm. it's to all of the clinic, all the, all the patients that I've seen from my clinic. So it automatically captures their email and it goes through MailChimp. Um, so I've had a few things that have sort of stopped me putting so much intention into that. And the main one is that my website absolutely isn't converting people into my my mailing list. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my sort of my next big thing that I've been thinking about doing is how can I make, um, you know, make a bit of a funnel and make some free um, content to give people. And so that's just a matter of making it and putting it on the website. And um, because otherwise no one, I think one person has signed up for my mailing list for my website. And I'm pretty sure that was a creator club member. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice, the support. Yeah, yeah. No, I know know where you're at. Um, Well, we can talk through that another time. Yeah, there's a a way you can go basically long form, which is really nice, like the blog, um, then short form over to, you know, taking key elements to the Instagram or Facebook. But then on the long form, the opt-in side, creating the opt-ins that are specific to the topic that's in the long form. So you might have four different opt-ins and then those four opt-ins might be relevant to 20 different articles. And so then they come to the article, then it's like, oh, hey, you've liked this article. If you want to join my list, you can grab this resource, but it's hyper-relevant to that blog. Um, so you start to get an ecosystem that makes sense to the audience and helps them go step by step into your list uh, mm. can work quite well. That's cool. I was actually wondering yesterday if that was, I was like, one one opt-in doesn't really seem like it's going to achieve what I want. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then the gives you stuff to talk about on your short form stuff a couple of times a week with the Instagram as well. Mm. Um, okay, really cool. Is there anything else? I, I really love how you're carving out this 
values centric niche. You know, when, when people think about niche quite often, I just heard the other day, someone was like, oh, I don't want to niche down. I don't want to be compartmentalized and like, you know, labeled by this sort of like one thing. But what you've shared really through your story is like this, this worldview or this value set that kind of defines the way you see the world. And what you're really doing is by speaking about that, you're inviting other people who resonate with that value set. They might be 25, they might be 55. It's not really it's not really compartmentalizing you in terms of who you work with or how you're known, but it's, it's giving them a nice um, way to relate, which I really love. And I think is a healthy way to look at niche. Um, so I think it's, it's really cool. I would just say, go as hard as you can. Like the more we were talking about this yesterday in a call with a group is like, the more you can put yourself out there in terms of that message, I think the more powerful it'll be, you know, cause it's a great message. I mm, actually think that was the source of my biggest insecurity with my niche is that I don't relate to being a world-class mountain biker or trail runner. Mm. I'm just kind of an average person who's, who's enjoys doing these things. And I think that that was making me feel really, really insecure about trying to talk to people because I didn't feel like I was enough of like a professional in those realms. And once I realized that it, and I've actually changed my logo and my website specifically based on this, because I was worried, I, I was like, this isn't even encompassing what I'm trying to say. It's making it look like I'm only here for people who are like mountain bikers, trail runners and rock climbers, when really what I'm trying to talk to is values. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add maybe for anyone just starting their, their physio journey or health? I mean, really any, any health service where they're just ticking off, there'd be a lot of overlaps in terms of obstacles. Anything you'd want to share? Yeah, I think that I, the biggest thing that I did that helped me was to not, not quit my side hustle day job. <laughs> this, it just allowed me to actually invest time and money and space into creating something that has taken me a little while and is still taking me a little while to get my messaging straight on. Um, and if I had just gone all in on that to begin with and quit my job and put everything that I've got into it, I think it wouldn't have really gone very far. Um, because I needed that space to grow into um, into what it is that I'm trying to communicate. So do what you've got to do to make it sustainable, because yeah. if it's not sustainable, it's not going to work. And yeah. for me, being sustainable meant that I just had to struggle through a few contracts that I wasn't really enjoying. Um, but ultimately, I think that it was the right choice to make. Yeah, I, I agree. I got a lot of respect for that. I, I even think if you're starting and you feel that neediness or that graspiness because of that stress financially, like get a job, get a second job, like start, whatever it is, like you said, it's going to take time and not feeling like you need to get the clients tomorrow mm. is the only way you can grow. As soon as you, as soon as you have to get them, it's mm. very, very difficult. It just changes the whole energy of the business, you know? Yeah, uh, I love that. Okay, great. Well, thank you for sharing your story and we'll keep following along. Where do people go to find you and your work? Um, you can head to my website at, at www.adventure.physio or you can find me on Insta at Adventure Physio uh, or Facebook at Adventure Physio WA. And they're the main places. Okay. And where are you located in Western Australia in case anyone's on the ground? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my clinic's located in Bibber Lake, which is near Coburn. 
Okay. Awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks again. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you.